Hello, everyone. You all sat down pretty speedy. Thank you so much. Everyone's got their Starling notebook. So if you want to write notes, I mean, you don't have to, but we'll be flattered if you do. Um, so just to welcome you all. So I'm just looking out at some amazing faces and... This is really exciting, mainly because every time I do a live podcast episode, I'm just so honoured that people like listening to it and that I get to talk about interesting, I hope, topics um, in the tech industry. So the topic of today, as you all know, because we are sat in the, a bank, Starling Bank, a mobile-only app, and it's a bank that I use. It's a bank that I've partnered with to talk about this and really talk about it in an honest and open way. So just a bit of background before we kick off and I'll introduce the panel. Um, I have been very bad with money. Um, only in the past year or so have I really sort of um, uncovered actually a lot of negative feelings that I had with it and also things that I've done in the past that I regret. Um, you know, I was that person that thought a student loan was free money. No, it's not. Um, but yes, lots of things along the way. Um, I've realised that I have to really look um, at myself in the mirror <laughs> and, um, and get on top of it. And that's what Starling really uh, helps you do as well. So welcome to my panellists. And if anyone does want to tweet along if they want, um, the hashtag is Starling and then X and then Control-Alt-Delete. So that's a little bit of an opener. And you guys are brave coming on this panel. We're talking about money for 45 minutes, openly and honestly. So... So, to introduce the panel, so Ortega over there. Hi, Hello, everyone. Sunday Times bestselling author of The Little Black Thank Book. Thank you, Emma. Which, um, I'm not sure, uh, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people here have probably read it because everyone's got a copy. Um, it's an amazing book that really helps you kind of overcome lots of aspects of your career, and I think one big part of that is money, and I think you're someone that's very honest. And we're going we're gonna, to like, tap into some creative industry myths i think aren't we about money yes we are definitely yeah because you know people assume in the creative industry that everyone's loaded and we all know that's not true, that's not true. <laughs> um michelle kennedy so we actually met when michelle worked at badoo which is the the world's biggest dating app um it is millions and millions and hundreds of millions of subscribers michelle then left and did something incredible which was start her own app and michelle was at stylist live recently talking about creating an app and how to make money from it that was a topic title wasn't it it was yes so peanut is no amazing pressure. it's an app to it's a social networking app for mothers that's is that that's it, right yeah yeah that's right i'm jealous i can't use it so I, I better know. get on that i'm not um <laughs> i'm not gonna say what i did say last time which was soon emma and you looked at me like <laughs> yeah with a blank face <laughs> Um, Serena, to my left. Actually, I've never said your surname out loud. It's Gen. Gen, oh my God. Um, so Serena is the CEO and founder of Suitcase Magazine. So you probably have all seen or read a Suitcase Magazine in your life. It's a travel magazine and it is incredible. And you've just launched Suitcase Media, which is... Um, it's a content marketing and design agency for the travel industry and lifestyle brands. Amazing. And lastly, we've got Sarah Gua. Yes. Um, I mean, someone called me Emma Gammon the other day on, on like a printed leaflet, and I was like, yes, I'm partial to some ham, but it's fine. Um, and Sarah is product director at Starling. Yeah. So, yeah, so product director at Starling, um, and I've been involved in building our mobile-only current account, which Emma mentioned, um, and really involved in understanding kind of what people's concerns are with money, um, their feelings, and, and how they manage it, and how we can actually build an experience to, to make that more stress-free. 
Sarah's also saying that she, as part of her job, actually shows her bank balance to her colleagues most days. Is that? Yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah. Terrifying. Sort of. <laughs> so one of the the observations that we've had in the time that we've been working on it is that um, uh, me and also everybody here is quite much more open about. Um, our own bank accounts, our own finances. We were obviously working on the app and testing it every single day. And um, that's just something that makes me really quite pleased. And I think something that we want to see um, become more of a social change going forward for our customers, that we can kind of get rid of some of those taboos and be a bit more open about um, our own financial sort of situation. Yeah, definitely. We'll come to that because I think it's not about necessarily t telling everyone your salary, but it's about being comfortable with you knowing what's going on. Um, so I wanted to start off by asking you all the same questions. So we'll start down this end. Um, are you good with money? What's your relationship like with money, just personal and professional? Okay, so I am really good with money, I would say. I'm very financially literate. Both of my parents um, were our accountants. So I have a really good understanding of money. Um, and I mean that both in a professional and financial sense. Having said that, and I was literally thinking about this today because a friend randomly emailed me to ask me what my thoughts on money were. Um, I am very stressed and anxious about money, um, I think. And it doesn't really have any bearing on how much money I have or I'm making at any given moment in time. Um, it's just a constant source. I'm just sharing now. It's a constant source of anxiety for me, which I think is probably common for a lot of people, a lot of women my age, probably a lot of men my age as well. Um, but I think that it's quite irrational because I know that I am good with money like I know how to budget I understand a lot of concepts that I know most people my age don't understand like I have an ISA I like I do all the right things but despite that I'm just so nervous about money all the time so yes that's my relationship with money <laughs> what's yours <laughs> um, yes no I I agree that um when I think of money I think of emotions and I and it it's and I think this goes across the board with women, especially um, guilt in every area of my life. Mm. If I've got money, I feel guilty. If I don't have it, I feel guilty because I'm spending it or I'm doing something wrong. I, that's the first word that comes to my head. What about you, Michelle? Um, I think professionally um, with Peanut, I'm very tight with money. So I'm very, I'm always thinking about, well, that 10p could actually buy me another sticker, which could actually get me a user. So I'm always thinking in those terms. Um, so I think I'm very kind of restrictive in that, it, even when it means taking a wow flight to San Francisco via Iceland, which was like an 18 hour trip, but it was amazingly cheap. Um, <laughs> so I'm that person and my team hate me for it because poor Hannah on my team who had to come along with me and sit on Wow Airlines for 18 hours. Not, <laughs> not great. Um, but, you know, I saved that money. Uh, so that's what professionally I think that um, I'm, I'm kind of very conservative in how I spend um, and I equate it always to another employee. So if I'm thinking about spending money on something, I'm always thinking, well, that could be someone added to my headcount that could, um, you know, join the team and, you know, make us beg bigger or faster or whatever it might be. Um, on a personal note, I think my relationship with money has changed dramatically um, and it's probably tied into Peanut, um, which is, I, as you mentioned, was working at Badoo and I was earning very nicely um, and I spent very nicely as a result and then I left um, to start Peanut and all of a sudden became very aware of how fortunate I had been and how stupid I had been um, with some of my spending. Um, I 
saved a lot before I left, in fairness, um, knowing that I wanted to start Peanut um, and knowing that I would have to pay engineers and that kind of thing. So I, I had done that. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, my morning coffee that I'd taken for granted was like, £2.75? Um, so that, that kind of changed. Um, and now I think I'm even more acutely aware because I'm thinking about um, money for Finley um, and saving money for his future um, and his future education, all of those things. So I think I have become personally um, more aware that um, just all of those little things really add up, which is ironic because, of course, that's how it goes and that's how it is when I'm, I'm running a business. So um, I think it's changed. It's really interesting. I think that um, more often than not, a lot of us will have multiple streams of, in of income or, or maybe outgoings. Of course we do. So the fact that um, I guess you can talk from that perspective as well as of having another stream which is related to having a child, I think is it, the kind of mental gym gymnastics of that must be quite stressful sometimes. Yeah, so much. Um, he's so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing, but he's so expensive. And um, just even thinking about, you know, how how to prioritise some of the things that I need to invest in for him for his future um, is quite daunting. So that kind of fear, I have that fear. You know, I, I want to think about, well, how will I pay for his university or, you know, childcare is crippling um, in terms of cost um, and thinking about how you can finance that um, is, is a big question mark to do it at a time when you're also going to leave your salaried job um, is, is also difficult so I think that you're, you're kind of operating in lots of different as you say streams and thinking about those different streams um, and it's always great to hear from people who have done it and who understand and who you can say, oh, my God, I'm so broke. Um, so that someone can say, yeah, okay, I'll buy you dinner, but next time it's you. <laughs> yeah, and I think also we have this other thing I feel personally like. You have to look like you're busy. You have to look like you're fine so that you get more work because no one wants to follow someone or give work to someone who's just, like, being too honest. And I feel like that boundary between sharing and not sharing is, I find, difficult. Serena, what about you? Because you, I guess, have evolved alongside your business as someone who, you know, there's an editor-in-chief of, of the magazine. You run all sorts of things from, you oversee a lot of things. Did you have to delegate the finances? Have you been, what's your relationship like from personal and professional? Yeah, well, I've actually, um, last two years ago now, I changed position from editor-in-chief to CEO um, because I realized to grow a business, I couldn't be involved in the day-to-day -day anymore. And that just wasn't scalable or sustainable. Um, so I took a step back and focused more on business development. I suppose uh, with money, I always try and play the long game. Um, so not all benefit me in the short term. Uh, when I was, the first thing I ever saved up for was a Fisher Price slide when I was five years old. My brother and I pulled our allowances for this 20 pound slide. And I, I always remember that. And in terms of the magazine, I think it definitely come. We, we have that situation a lot when advertisers, so countries which are maybe not, don't have the best human rights records or <laughs> um, might want to advertise, even though it's huge amounts of money, we have to turn it down because it's not right for our brand at the time. And that's quite stressful sometimes because maybe we do need the money, um, but I know in the long term that it will benefit us. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other thing, isn't it? The the kind of uh, money versus integrity yeah. and how people sometimes assume that if you are making money, then you must be selling your soul a little bit along the way, surely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can't really win. <laughs> yes, yes, true. Sarah, what about you? Because I guess I wanted to ask you more, I guess, personally as well, because I know that professionally you talk about money all the time, but what's it like as well? kind yeah. of in your spare time so I think so I think for me when I kind of um, came on board at Starling it's I don't have a, a bad relationship with money um, I probably wouldn't say I had a good relationship with money I was probably somebody who is very similar to most people here that when you're going through university you actually just don't have that much money so you don't have a real opinion about it um, you also don't have that many responsibilities so you're kind of just you know living month to month and the amount of money that you earn or the amount of money you'll get given for your student loan is enough to get you by and so thinking about money and thinking about things to put it aside for just wasn't really something that kind of um, came into my mind um, until you turn probably late 20s 30s or, or something along those lines and you start to find that you've got all these different responsibilities and, and commitments um, whether it being uh, living in London and you know a flat that you're renting you've got to meet that rent um, whether it be a family as, as you mentioned there um, or, or starting a business, for example, or something along those lines. And, and as soon as that kicks in, you kind of have this moment of, um, how do I compare to other people? I feel like I'm not necessarily thinking enough about my finances. I could be a little bit better. And that feeling kind of, um, certainly for me, creates a little bit of anxiety because you just don't know whether you're doing really well or um, whether the person next to you is, is much better at saving, much better at putting money um, aside. Um, so it's that, that kind of, change really in in the way that we think about money that I've certainly um experienced and and that's kind of what you know a lot of our experiences we bring into our into our product design and that's kind of what we're trying to help which is you know understand actually where your money is going and then help you to kind of put it aside for the things that actually matter you know more than the living day to day um we actually talk about two sort of types of person um one reacher, which would be me, the kind of person who's constantly trying to living a little bit beyond their means and actually can't really afford much. And you kind of tend to spend a lot and then you have this kind of uh-oh kind of moment where this reality kicks in and you spend the rest of the month kind of slightly guilty, as, as you described earlier. Um, or you're on the other side of a spectrum, which is um, more of a kind of optimizer. So um, somebody who's kind of probably got those spreadsheets and, and who is like looking at ways that they can actually, you know, better spend elsewhere and make a saving here and there. Um, and it's those kind of behaviors that I think are really interesting and, and how you can take the ones of the optimizer and actually try and help the reachers sort of adopt some of those behaviors. Mm, I'm a reacher. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. So you can probably, everyone yeah. can probably classify I themselves. know, and I think, I don't know about you, but I'm so good at justifying stuff in my head. <laughs> I'm like doing all the maths, like, yep, if I don't do that for a week, I'm fine. <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask um, you, Ortega, about um, your experiences talking to other creatives or other women especially, because obviously your book is very popular amongst a certain demographic as well. You do your own events quite a lot. Does money come up at all in those conversations? And what, what are people's insecurities about it the most? Yeah, I think money is something that comes up a lot amongst creative industries because there is a real myth. There's a lot of kind of smoke and mirrors around how people make money, how much money people are making. Should you work for free? What should you get paid? It's really not sort of stratified, stratified I guess, in the same way that it is in maybe a lot of other industries if you would do something a bit more regimented like accounting or law where you can kind of figure out what roughly you should be earning 
based on how many years you've been qualified, for instance. Um, so money comes up a lot, um, mostly because I am very keen to instill in creatives, not just women, but just people doing creative work that they should expect to be paid for their labor. If they're, I think the, you know, a really good rule is if what you're doing is making somebody else money, then you should be paid for it. Um, but for some whatever reasons, I feel like the creative industries just haven't cottoned on to the fact that people should be paid for labor. Um, so you wouldn't get like an unpaid intern like accountant, for instance, but you would get one in other industries. Um, so I'm trying to figure out like in terms of how I feel about um, sort of whether or not to, you know, for instance, where when to ask for money or when to do things, because I get approached to do things all the time. Um, and often people are, I think, surprised that I ask for a fee and I have to explain to them that that is what I do for a living um, in a way that I think a lot of other industries don't have to do. Um, so I think it's it's an industry, personally, the industry that I work in, the industry that a lot of us work in, there's still like a big education job to be done there. So it comes up a lot. Because you worked in big companies like Vice and, and some big, big media agencies before yeah. you started your own stuff. Were there, were there any skills or lessons that you learned that you took from that corporate environment, you know, asking for the pay rise or, or any difficult conversations that you then take now into your self-employed stuff? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the things that I really learned, because so I worked in advertising and I was working with a lot of clients and it was a big brands and big names and I actually what I learned which is related sort of indirectly to money is how to kind of manage expectations and like kind of set scopes which is just a really boring way of saying this is what you'll get for this amount and if you want more you'll have to pay for it and and I think that's something that so many creative people don't quite understand how to do and they'll end up doing a hundred hours of work for a client when really it should only have been maybe 50, but they're not getting paid anymore because they don't understand how to kind of set a scope and say, okay, when we reach this amount, I'm going to have to charge you more, that sort of thing. So I think because I was doing that often because I was kind of working on the more commercial side, I really learned that how to kind of set and manage expectations around money and budgets and fees. Um, and as a result, I'm very good at doing that. Um, but I don't think it's it's something that comes from practice. I don't think I was good at it when I started out. So that's kind of the main thing that I think I learned. And do you think the stress goes away a little bit just because you feel like you're better at it? Yeah, in definitely. Like I, I, f I feel like I always know where I stand when it comes to working with clients, and that's a really good thing. So whether or not the fee is huge or tiny, like I feel like I always know where I stand. I don't feel like anyone is going to screw me over or deny me. Like deny me a payment for think things like asking for you know the first 50 percent of a fee up front is something that i think a lot of freelancers don't even know that they're in a position to do and i'm like well if you've never worked with them before like a it's standard like you like to ask for the first 50 percent from like a new client is very very standard and if anyone tries to kind of say oh god that's preposterous then that should kind of be a bit of a warning flag but again that's not something that I would have known how to do but when you work for a big company and with really big expenditures that's just you know I, I couldn't press go on a project when I was working in some of my agencies until the client had paid us 50% and I'd get in so much trouble if I did that so that is something that I've I work to now as well even though I'm just one person yeah definitely yeah, when I first met you, I was like, "Tell me everything." You're s you 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 feel like you you know where you stand, and then someone else can kind of um, meet you there, which I really like. Yeah. Um, Michelle, with you with you, I guess have you always been 
are you more confident now? Have you grown in confidence since doing your own thing? Or, um, you know, do you have a mentor? I, I'm just curious as to where you get some of your advice from money related. Um, I think part of it, start, I started life as a lawyer. So that was my kind of previous background. Um, and I don't know whether that kind of legal training, you're kind of, you look for risk, right? That's what we're trained to do. So you're kind of always looking for and identifying risk and I suppose that still kind of plays a little bit um, in my mindset and my approach to things. Um, that said, the mindset of a, being an entrepreneur and doing something on your own is very different to the mindset of a lawyer because you kind of have to see the risk and do it anyway. Um, and so thinking about um, from money and from finance, I suppose it's something that I've kind of always been around um, and kind of... I was doing M&A, so we had to kind of have an awareness of, of it. Um, and then obviously kind of moving forward into my role at Badoo, of course, you know, it was my job to, to know. Um, in terms of mentors, yes. I ask questions, and I, I think it kind of boils into the same thing. Sometimes we don't ask questions of people either because um, maybe we feel embarrassed like we should know or how am I comparing to everyone else? Like I feel embarrassed to ask this question, should I know it? Um, and so it's really about finding that person who you can be completely honest with and say, okay, I've got another stupid question. Can I just ask you? And then roll into it. Um, my stupid question uh, responder is Dan, uh, my friend Dan. Um, so he's always at the end of the WhatsApp. So listen, I just need to check this with you. Um, and he has infinite amounts of patience with me. Um, but I think it's really important to, to find that person and not to be afraid to ask the questions because ultimately how scary is it not to know it's way more scary not to know than it is to ask the question um and i think that's probably something that we need to encourage people to do more and more um so that you do find your person who you can you know get that mentorship from because actually you might pay the favor forward anyway to them in in an area that they're not so good at yeah that's it's interesting that you've always been around it and i guess that's something that um is a good thing because you then become you know it's like a normalizing it what about in your social life because and you obviously don't have to be too specific but I for example um, I had a friend a few years ago that would just kind of book things and I couldn't really afford them like a restaurant where you're like you kind of sat there a little bit like dreading the bill and I hate those situations because it's not fair on them it's not fair on you and things like that um money can be awkward money can be awkward it's exactly that and I don't know why actually because I you know even when I look at Finn and kind of I'm explaining things to him and the cost of something and what mummy or daddy has to do in order to buy him that very important Paw Patrol doll um <laughs> and he I can see his little head and then he's looking at a penny and he's like but here's some pennies mummy that will help <laughs> and um he doesn't have any embarrassment or awkwardness about understanding to him, understanding it is the same as understanding how to write his name. It's, it's the same kind of comprehension. So I don't know why there is awkwardness around it, but yes, there is. Um, I'm also kind of an awkward person about things, and I make it into a thing when it's not really. So if I've, in the past, historically lent money to someone, and then I need to ask for it back, and then you get... I just, I am that kind of person, and then I'm like, oh, God, I'm so awkward, and I need to tell you... Um, and I don't know why that is and it and it shouldn't be like it but ultimately if you have a relationship with and it's a friend you should be able to say do you know what I just can't this month mm. like I, I just can't 
Because um, I think that was then my problem in that is respect is I was feeling awkward and that should be easier if we don't be awkward about it. Yeah, I think it, it's so difficult to be that person because sometimes you really want to go to, you know, do whatever it is, dinner at an amazing place. My friend just got married in India. It was amazing. It's like one of my oldest, bestest friends and I really wanted to go and be at the wedding, but that's time out of my business. That's time that, you know... Um, I have to pay for the flights and the accommodation and all of those things. And, it, you know, that was preparation. I had to prepare because I don't just have that money lying around anymore. Um, and so I was very honest about that. If then people were saying, you know, are you coming out? Actually, I'm always working. So I'd be like, no, I'm working. Um, <laughs> but easy excuse as well. But also, actually, you know, we're going to India in a few weeks and I'm, you know, just making sure that we're prepared for it. Yeah, sometimes you just got to say no. I remember when I was an intern and um, people would be like, do you want to come for lunch? Going to Pret or whatever. And me and this other intern would look at each other and basically we'd like made ours and it was in our bag, like rotting away. <laughs> and basically it was like, we, ha- we lied and be like, oh, we've got a meeting or something because it, like we were embarrassed that we couldn't like go for lunch with them, but it's fine, whatever. I'd have done the same thing probably. Yeah. I think it w- that it's, it's one of those, th- it is embarrassing. Like, I think I've gotten so much better. I'm really, really blunt like when I'm broke with my friends and they probably hate hearing it because I never lie and say oh I don't feel like it whatever I'm like I can't afford it and that's just that because then at least I feel because I actually don't want to damage my friendships in the way of thinking oh they think I don't want to spend time with them it's like oh do you know what I would if I had the money but I don't so I'm not coming like that and that's I'm pretty blunt about that um and your friends don't assume you hate them That's yeah good. exactly and every, everyone's happy except for me <laughs> staying in um no but um I used to not talk about money with my friends at all mm-hmm. and I remember like for instance salaries which I think is something that's really important to talk about and I wouldn't talk about it at all and if anyone ever asked I'd be like oh I think that information is sacred I couldn't possibly share <laughs> and then um I found out I was being really underpaid um and I only I only found it out sort of when it was essentially too late to do anything because I was leaving but it was because I hadn't spoken to anyone about my salary because when I told one of my friends he straight up laughed in my face and he was like how did you not know that was way below going right and I was like oh because I kept it a secret because I didn't tell anyone and ever since then I've just changed my attitude and like if I don't know if someone it's not as though I'm gonna go out and tweet my salary sorry guys but um but if I don't know, if something is happening, if someone asks me how much I got paid for something and because they may be considering doing something similar, I'll tell them. I will email people and be like, do you mind me knowing how much you got paid for that? And I get people telling me all the time. And it's just, as long as you're not going to go and share that information willy-nilly, I think people are quite open about that. I'm very open about it. And it just kind of helps everyone get paid more fairly. And I really attribute that to that, to finding out the hard way that what I was earning wasn't the right amount. Um, and that was, yeah. I, no, I so agree, because I think you're, by sort of not sharing a certain rate, it, you're basically shafting yourself in the long run as well, because, ev- you know, you do something for a certain amount, and then someone might come up behind you and ask for less, and then that person goes, oh, but they did it for less. Mm. So why did you ask for that amount? And then the whole industry goes down like this. Yeah, I think it only works against... A, yeah, it only works against our favour, particularly as a freelancer, which is how I think about mm. it. And as a self-employed person, it doesn't work in my favour to be super secretive mm. and to not know what the going rate is. Yeah, well, actually, that leads me on to you, Serena, because we were on WhatsApp the other day and you, you we were talking about rates for something. Yeah. And, I, and, and what I love about you as well is you've kind of got this network where you really do share 
things you you're very open you, you share contacts you're i think obviously that's great and it should be the norm i don't think it is necessarily the norm i think you're very good at sharing numbers and figures and things like that yeah i think I, well i learned very early on like michelle or i take a second i can't remember <laughs> one of you said that there's no point in keeping everything to yourself and being secretive like you might as well ask for help when you need it and share and give people help when they need it because it will always come back around I think salary is a really interesting one I think I've become a lot less awkward with dealing with money since running a business because you just can't be you can't have a meltdown every time someone asks for a raise <laughs> um often what I get people to do we now have so when we first started obviously we were a really small team so we had no structure in terms of quarterly reviews or anything like that because it just seemed contrived. Um, so then it was a little bit more awkward talking about salaries because there wasn't a set time or I wasn't prepared. Someone just said out of the blue. Um, but now um, we have quarterly reviews and, we, and people know that they can uh, talk about their salary then if they want to. And sometimes, um, I haven't done it for a while actually, I'll get people to fill out a little self-assessment form before they come to review and just asking like how they've think they've done in terms of like innovation punctuality and people are usually quite honest and so when it comes to asking for a raise I actually so often they deserve one and if I can't give it to them then because you can't always just give people what they want um not because <laughs> I'm being mean but because financially or whatever the reason um I'll always give them a date to discuss it again so they're not feeling like they're just left in limbo that's really good and do you feel like as a company as well people are quite open in the office or uh, do you still I mean it's okay I, if they're yeah, not I think, I think we, we haven't got there yet really no culturally. I think it's quite tricky actually because it's quite hard to justify especially in creative industry maybe like how much someone's getting paid to do a certain job because you can quantify what a salesperson's making and bringing in but maybe you can't quantify what a creative director is doing so when it's not that open in the office and I don't think we're quite there yet. I'd like it to be, but I don't think people necessarily understand the value of everyone else's role. Yeah. Well, I really want to make this interactive in a bit. Um, so if you've got any questions, um, have a little think. Um, but with starting with Sarah, I just wanted to kind of go down and maybe just give one really, really practical thing that you can think of that you do. And it can be something really sort of <laughs> admin-y if you want I mean sorry guys but <laughs> I just want everyone to take something away and um and actually kind of maybe share something that they do whether that's something to do with budgeting whether that's something to do with little things that make you sort of save or become a little bit more savvy and you can talk about maybe the app if you want but anything that you that you might do so uh, I mentioned earlier obviously that actually I wasn't somebody that um has uh, a lot of practices really that I do in order to understand how much money I've got and where I'm spending it um so for me to actually have quite a, a a big change and a big impact on how I manage my money it doesn't actually take that that much um so I've probably moved um over the last couple of years towards um checking my bank just more often more frequently actually knowing what my my balance is and how much that I'm spending um, either within a day or, or within a week and then the month and and what I actually have left at the end of the month um, 
I think it's it's quite astounding that when you get paid, most people get paid on a monthly basis, I think, um, and you know what your salary is typically, and you'll probably know what that breakdown is kind of per month. Um, but if I asked most of you here how much you had left at the end of a month out of your salary, I don't know how many people could actually say. It's like an unknown number, right? But actually, that's the number that you're able to save. Um, and typically, you don't save it because it. You then your salary comes in, and you kind of forget that you didn't have any money, um, money left. So I think one of my my best advice and my best practices is that if you make it more of a habit to check your bank, just as you would things like um, a social media app or, or whatever else, um, it actually you can increase your awareness of how much money you've got and where you should be spending without doing very much at all. Um, it becomes something that actually you just absorb information. You just know. And then when you're spending, when you're buying, you, you pretty much know the impact that it's going to have um, on your account. And sometimes you'll, you'll choose to spend it anyway, um, but you, you choose to spend it with that kind of in, in information at hand. God, how do you get over that? Because even just hearing you say checking bank balance, checking bank balance, I've like got a physical reaction to that <laughs> of like stress. And I so feel yeah. like that's what we need to break down is like you say, I'm refreshing Twitter. Why don't I just refresh my bank like and so have a little look? I think there's two. Th I think there's two things in that. Um, one possibly, if um, you know, if you are somebody that's anxious about money and you haven't got too much money available, then you know, actually looking at that number and, and having a kind of um, a heart palpitation when you're looking at it, obviously that is something that you need to change and probably need to get more in control. The other one I think is that stop spending. Yeah. <laughs> the other one I think is that um, there are experiences with banks um, throughout our lives, like 20 years of banking with the same bank, or and we barely any of us move. Um, has actually formed kind of our expectations of what that experience is going to be like. Um, and logging into online banking is a faff. You have to remember loads of passwords. It's really difficult. It's really hard. Um, so actually, there's been all these barriers between you and checking your balance. Um, so you have to always set time aside and actually log in and then find out how much money you've got. Um, and what we're trying to do, and I think the more and more we, we have um, banks available actually on our app, is, is make that really easy. Um, you literally tap your app, it opens up, you see your balance, and then you close it. You don't have to linger. You know, it's become much more accessible and convenient. God, it wasn't even that long ago that you'd go to the ATM and be like, trying yeah. to like <laughs> shield it from the person behind you. Like, we haven't always had it on our phones. That's People so still weird. do that, though, by the way. <laughs> yeah, when they leave the receipt, I'm like, oh. Um, <laughs> I love that bit, too. I do it, too. What about you, Serena? Is there anything that you do just completely personally to kind of ease any late night? freakouts or anything yeah well i was gonna say two things actually one commercially was to always be realistic and go and think about the worst case scenario because it's quite tempting to look at your pipeline and think oh my god all these amazing things are going to come in and i'm going to be fine i'm going to be super profitable but then if one thing doesn't come in then it can just throw everything off so just be realistic with yourself and then personally uh, opening an iso was one of the best things that i've done because it's just money that you can't touch. And you can see it in your bank balance and you think, oh my God, I got so much money. This is so great. But you can't just withdraw it and buy something silly. Um, I, I was going to say something quite kind of similar with what I do is um, I basically, my brain always goes to this kind of number, which is like a really average amount that I used to get at like my job kind of a few years ago. And I know that that's how much I need to live. I know it's like how much I just need to kind of get through the month. 
and that number is just something that I always kind of think about as 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 things progress is that's all I need so let's put everything else somewhere else don't just have it like floating around because as we all know here if you do sort of um take on different projects it can go up and down and all, all over the place but what about you oh me um yes what do i do so i agree with what you said about checking your bank balance regularly um i get my bank to text me every week so both my personal bank account and my business bank account the business bank account i get to text me regularly just because i once heard a horror st story on radio 4 about somebody whose business account was just wiped clean um it was just horrendous um because they just weren't checking it regularly and it's, it's quite easy to happen. So that kind of freaks me out because I don't need to check it as much on a day-to-day, -day, but I just want to know if anything, if it suddenly was like balance zero, it'd be like, wait, something's happened. Um, and then the personal um, sort of bank account, yeah, again, it's just because then it tells me what I've spent recently. Um, I used to be really good at checking my bank balance really, really regularly. Um, I think being honest, like I'm more anxious about money now that I'm self-employed than I was when... I was in like working a nine to five, so I don't check it as much as I used to. Like before I would just like scroll and be bored and be like, oh, that's fine. I've got more money coming in <laughs> next month. Um, and now I feel a little bit more anxious, so I don't check it as much as I should do, which is why it's good that I'm texted. Um, every Wednesday morning, I wake up to a text from my bank being like, you're broke again. So um, yeah, that's that's my sort of Friday. tip. Yay. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> this is the other thing that gets my goat is is how easy it is to buy stuff now you, you oh just yeah swipe yeah. up <laughs> i have a lot to Done. say about that i'm i'm sort of known amongst my friends for being a bit of a shopaholic which i don't actually think is a deserved reputation um if any of them are listening to this um but i think part of that is due to, due to the fact that pretty much everything auto saves your bank details now and i only realized this about six months ago i lost my card and i couldn't use anything like i was trying to get an uber and it was like oh card cancelled so you can't do that and so that makes it really easy in like two taps and amazon and Topshop and my like go-to's and you can just like buy anything from them in like two taps um so that is my sort of <laughs> that's where it all goes basically <laughs> the fear of those amazon boxes is so real yeah like also, can we just say that the new christmas ad is so creepy <laughs> with the little like m talking box has anyone seen it? I haven't no, seen no, it yet. No. No. It's really <laughs> weird. Um, from a business perspective, um, obviously I forecast, so it's slightly different. Um, so that anything where, and we're not revenue generative at the moment, so it's all outgoing. So yeah. everything's out, um, which is something that I've made peace with <laughs> um, for now. Um, so when I'm doing that forecast and when I'm always thinking about that, I, I am I often um, kind of just keep a, a war chest, basically, so for each month, just in case, you don't know, um, finding new office space or whatever it might be, um, just have that war chest just so you know where you are. Um, on a personal note, um, I think that that kind of knowing what you've got at the end of each month is so important, um, particularly when it comes to... Um, Things like I need to do the weekly shop or, you know, all of those things that <laughs> mundane <laughs> family life. Um, but just thinking about, OK, so now I have got that that amount left over and actually that could just sweep over into Finn's account, for example. Um, and it's probably something that I don't do. And 
I will. Thank you, Sarah. I think uh, I think there's a statistic which is something like less than fifty percent of people actually know how much their weekly shop costs them on a regular basis. Mm. Um, and I think that's just a good example about how um, we don't really monitor what we're spending. We don't know, and that kind of is is being compounded even more with things like contactless as well. Mm. So you go kind of into a shop, you're mm. you're paying with your contactless debit card, and I don't even look at the till. I don't even know how much it um, I spent, and you kind of walk out of the shop and. I think it's really important that we do try to to you know keep a check on actually how much it is things like we've got um, real-time notifications that you know come to your app every single time that you've made a transaction so that even at the time if it wasn't something that was really um, of a concern to you you can look back at it later and be like oh okay that cost me whoa 12 pounds not three pounds and and that kind of um, awareness yeah it's way more empowering to know exactly what's going on it's like just r popped into my head. Remember that news article that said like millennials can't buy houses because they're spending too much on avocado toast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it just everyone That's was so angry. That's what And a part of you is like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, thank you so much for being so honest, and um, we're going to kind of chip in with the questions now as well. We've got a mic. Um, I think Shola. Oh yeah, that's fine. Um, does anyone have any questions? I just wanted to make sure that we covered off sort of a range of things so that you have things that are answered. Um, yes, over there. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask a question related to equal pay day because that's obviously so recent um, and ask if any of you had experiences of being paid less than men and what you think we can do to make that gap smaller. Good question. I've never worked anywhere else <laughs> except for suitcase, so not very useful. Um, funnily enough, when I mentioned earlier that I found out that I was being really underpaid, when the exact figure according to... So I found out from a recruiter that I was being underpaid because she was like, oh, so I'm presuming you're on this. And I was like, no, not, not quite. Um, and the exact figure that I was being underpaid matched up to the, e the sort of gender pay gap, which I think is like 78, 79, like literally down to the sort of percent which really threw me and also did not surprise me um i think the thing is actually a thing that i do now is i set my benchmark against what guys i know are earning so when i was talking about kind of asking people for rates and like especially like so my day rate for instance the people that i check with are often my guy friends and it always surprises me how much <laughs> they value themselves and the sort of like the kind of the difference between what I thought was an acceptable amount and what they are very, very comfortable asking with. Um, essentially, I think when it comes to asking for money, you should be making yourself uncomfortable with how much you're asking for, um, because chances are you are <laughs> undervaluing yourself or you have been undervalued along the way. I think that's a really distinct kind of. I don't even I don't even necessarily think it's inherent to women, but I do think that for various factors we just tend to be value, valued lower than the market, equal pay day. Um so I would always just add more money onto whatever it is that you're asking for, even if it feels really embarrassing, even if you feel like someone will say no. The worst is that someone could do is say no, but I think you'll be surprised at how often people either don't bat an eyelid or they're like, oh, okay, maybe we need to go find more money for that, whatever. But very very rarely is someone gonna say oh god she really thinks highly of herself like I remember when I was again working agencies and we'd work with like freelancers and if somebody came to us with a rate that was really high 
we would just go in and be like, okay, so can we find the money? Can we afford them or not? But it was never seen as like a kind of marker of their personality, which is how I think women often tend to worry it will be seen as. So basically, just ask for crazy amounts of money. That's my <laughs> advice. I remember going to um, a dinner uh, with for VCs um, and the usual kind of format where I walked in and there were two other women and all the other um, attendees were male founders. And I was sat in between these two young um, male founders and they were talking um, about obviously the the gender imbalance in the room and I was determined not to be the one to mention it um, and they did and I was like yeah well you know I'm used to it now I don't even notice it even though it's the first thing I obviously noticed when I walked <laughs> into the room and um, that we started talking about equal pay and um, at the time I've I kind of was on the back foot with these two young guys telling me that they really felt very strongly about um, having enforced pay rises and I, f you know, remember kind of saying, well, actually, you know, we don't need any favours. You know, we get it because of how brilliant we are and it's a meritocracy. And, you know, I don't really believe in positive discrimination in that way because, you know, we don't need anyone to kind of take pity on us. We get it because we're brilliant kind of mentality. And um, one of them actually said to me, you're wrong and here's why. Um, it's actually a business decision that we have a forced uh, pay rise because women engineers were leaving our company and when I went out to recruit in the market I realized how you know how much more I had to go and pay in order to replace them and I hadn't forecast for it so it's a business decision it's actually not about positive discrimination at all it's not doing anyone a favor it's protecting my business and I was put firmly back in my box <laughs> and I've never said it <laughs> again since and it is that understanding that this is actually good for, for businesses too, to understand that we should absolutely be paying men and women the same when their talent and their capability is the same. And to support um, what was just said, go and ask because the worst thing that someone can say is no, not right now, or we don't think you're there yet. Um, and you have to go and ask. And I have to say that um, in my previous life... Um, a big company, um, I don't recall a time that one of the women came and asked me for a pay rise. That's sad. Not like that in Peanut. Um, <laughs> but just, just uh, you know, that that's the sad reality. So you have to go in, you have to ask, and it's not about your personality. It's not a reflection on you, it's your self-worth. Yeah, I think women are just really worried about offending someone by asking for more money. Like a lot of my friends... Um, often when they're kind of negotiating salaries now tend to like forward me emails to like review and it's always very apologetic I'm like oh I'm sorry to or maybe could you possibly consider I'm like you're not doing anyone a favor it's a job you go you deliver a certain amount of value and they compensate you accordingly like you have to think about it more transactionally when it comes to that negotiation because that they're not doing you any favors by paying you more like everyone is, should be getting something out of that equation so you just need to make sure that it's fair um yeah yeah, it's like the imposter syndrome thing where you're like, I, I don't deserve anything. <laughs> I don't deserve any money. Um, any other questions? Great question, thank you. Um, yeah? Yeah, so just kind of on that point of money and like personal value. So this is more like opening up my life to the room. So I found out today my boyfriend got a promotion and he's now earning twice what I'm on. 
and I felt kind of weird about it. And I was like, oh, I'm so happy for you. And internally, I was like, shit, you earn, sorry. <laughs> so you earn twice. Swear all you like on the podcast. <laughs> I was like, you literally, and this weird equation in our head, and like, as women, I'm like, oh, you're now like double what I am worth, which obviously is like, it doesn't make sense at all, but it's kind of been over in my head. I'm like, oh, you're earning twice what I am. You're earning twice what I am. You're earning twice what I am. Mm. How do I not feel weird about that? Mm. Everyone. <laughs> is he in the same industry as you? I think it's going to be weird whatever flip side that was like if you were earning twice as much as him he'd be feeling that like that as well I I know a lot of women who really really out earn their their boyfriends and that can be really really awkward as well so I don't know I don't know the answer to that apart from that it's good to be open and talk about it as what I guess is the theme of tonight is actually not to feel awkward about anything and to just be really when it when it's out there in the open it can't fester underneath the surface it's just the factual um do you have anything i think that's really good advice i think just being honest about the fact that obviously you're happy for him but yeah that makes you feel weird and you maybe haven't processed why that makes you feel weird yet maybe it's the kind of thing that might come out in a conversation but i think instead of potentially just kind of keeping to yourself and then maybe kind of acting up or acting out I'm not saying that you necessarily would but just kind of being weird and awkward about it and maybe him thinking you're not happy about the promotion just be honest about it and just be open about it and I think that is actually people can really everyone has as we've just talked about all evening everyone has weird hang-ups and anxieties about money and I think people can understand that even if it's not something that they share but that's what you have that's how you feel about it so maybe if it if that's if it were to come up and if it were to kind of you know, over the next couple of days or weeks, it's something that you're still thinking about because obviously it's, you've just found out today, so you're still kind of processing it. But if, you know, in a couple of weeks you still feel weird about it, maybe just say. Um, and also it depends on how it manifests itself. Like, obviously that's a different kind of spending power that he now has. And then there is obviously the kind of male-female dynamic to that. And who pays for what? And is he paying for it because he earns more? Is he paying for it because he's the guy? Those are all things that, might change the dynamic of your relationship. I guess you just have to be. I feel now more of like a sort of relationship yeah. therapist. <laughs> um, I was so going to say, um, yeah, just be prepared for that and just be open and honest about yeah, it. Yeah, I was going so. to say also that if earning more is something that's important to you, then maybe consider whether you could get to that point in your current job. Because if you can't, then maybe it's time for a career change or an industry change or something new. Also, I was just going to say lastly um, that I had a thing recently where I was kind of comparing myself to someone else um, who I know earns a lot more than me. And I had to have a bit of a, a check with myself at actually whether I want that. And I don't think money equals success. I, I know that we are taught from an early age it is. Of course it is because it means that you are rewarded. And of course it feels amazing when you get paid well. But I also think that there's other indicators of you being good at your job and you succeeding in life. Um, so I think it's a good sign because if you're feeling weird, maybe you just want to earn more and that's great. But maybe you don't as well. Anyway, good question. Um, I think we've got time for one more. Um, sorry, I we've been chatting for too long. Um, yes, we'll go here. Thanks, Thanks Shola. <laughs> I'm asking this question because I think it might be helpful to the room. Do any of you think about retirement? 
and saving into. I knew you'd ask that. I know you knew I'd ask that, but I think it might be interesting for the room and for the conversation. Do any of you think about retirement, um, have pensions, investments? If you do, what do you do? If you don't, why not? Great question. And I don't want to catch you out with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not telling you off. So the answer to that is I do think about it, but I don't have any provisions. Um, so when I worked in for sort of big companies, I had a pension uh, that was just kind of a, you know, com- I worked in big enough companies that was just kind of a standard thing when you sign a contract. Um, and then since becoming self-employed, I know that you can kind of get pension plans that are set up for self-employed people. I haven't actually uh, done any of them, but that doesn't mean I don't save and I don't invest um which I kind of see as my pension plan but I would say that my pension plan is not as robust now that I'm self-employed as it was when I was working for other people and it's something that I definitely want to address because I understand compound interest and every month or year that I lose um it's time that I can never get back um and I have to work harder to make up the same amount of money but yeah no that's like a that's like a sort of thing that's on my mind that is like if you kind of have like a financial health checklist, I'm failing on that score. So, yeah, I'm curious as to what everyone else's takes. I on. think well, we I have to put in place pension plans for my team and things. And I think one of the problems that I have is that the amount that they're saving is so little that if they were to retire later, that just wouldn't support them in any way. And I don't know. There's also just pension plans are just in huge debt at the moment so who knows what's going to happen with the government one i think pension i think saving is very important i don't know if necessarily you want to save into a pension scheme or whether you want to save in a different way maybe with a savings account instead because you might actually be able to get more interest on it um yeah i'd actually written down as a question sort of what does not having a job for life mean now kind of it's very very rare that someone just has a job and you know, back in the day, like my grandparents or whatever, they, they like their company bought them stuff and gave them a really nice payout at the end. And for me, that was never an option. And I never even thought about a pension being a thing because I was like, wrote that off. I think I save in other ways as well. Yeah, I used to, um, I remember when I was junior lawyer and I had friends who were in the civil service. I don't know if anyone here is in the civil service, but the pension is for noms and um i used to, yeah used to get used to get really stressed about that um because uh, it's a final salary scheme i actually don't know if they still do the final salary scheme anymore but anyway it was at the time um and used to get very anxious and stressed about that um and obviously i have also been in the the big company and had and had the pension scheme and then left and have uh, no pension currently um Hi, Mum. Glad you're listening to this. <laughs> um, so I don't do that. Um, but, and it is something that I think about. Um, I am very fortunate in that back in the day, um, when I had more disposable income, I did buy my flat. Um, and I think of my flat um, as my kind of pension, um, or at least my part of my Finley education pot or something. Um, so I do think about it uh life in in those terms um but i absolutely agree there are potentially other ways that you can save whether it's through property whether it's through saving um and i don't think that it has to be in um 
that way but it is something that definitely gave me a lot of anxiety in my younger years when I felt that my friends had better um, <laughs> prepared than I was going to be. It's an interesting thing that's come out tonight as well just that that feeling that everyone else has kind of got it a bit, bit more sorted than than you but who knows we all we might all be just screwed um, <laughs> but <laughs> No, um, I sorry, I hope this wasn't a downer. I think it's really amazing that we're talking about money tonight. I feel like um, we need to talk about the pension thing as well because actually then we can be in a better position to have all the options mm. open to us. Um, and lastly, Sarah, do you want to talk about whether you have a pension <laughs> before we wrap up? <laughs> so I, I actually do have a pension and I, I think I probably sit on a different um, spectrum because I think that uh, there are two types of kind of savings or safety nets that you have um the one that you guys i think are describing a little bit more is obviously saving and actually having um money aside for things that might come up in life um whether it be uh, education for children or um it, you know, it could be health for example and you need to actually have it available for that and i think that's really important i think pension is i consider it separate i consider it separate because we are living longer um and we might not have an nhs um, and and things like that. So um, you know, you know, making sure you're putting money aside for that, um, so that we don't have to work until we're 70, 75. Um, that has changed massively. My my parents are 75 and still work, which um, you know, a fair few years ago it would have been at like 60. Um, I don't want to work that long. Um, so yeah, pension is is incredibly important for me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just be like 102, just like <laughs> getting that money in. in. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you all so much for coming. And um, I hope you enjoyed that. I definitely did. Um, it's like half event, half therapy kind of thing. <laughs> um, so, yes, please do stay for another drink and to, to chat if you want to. And a massive thank you to Starling. Um, if, if I mean, I don't want to embarrass you, Anne, but Anne Bowden here is the CEO of Starling and she's a really incredible, very inspirational woman who I really admire. So thank you for letting us host this at, in your offices as well. Um, so thank you all for coming. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>